Am I Nostradamus? Am I Nolstradamus? Over the past couple of weeks, everyone has been focusing on the many evils of the Taliban. The Taliban, you see, are the bad guys. They're our enemies. They're the enemies of our pure and innocent allies, we have been told. And you will recall that I urged caution. I pointed out on this show and in a column, you know I hate to say, I told you so, that, that allies, quote unquote, in Afghanistan change by the day. Actually, there are no allies in Afghanistan. There are only interests. The guys who started the Taliban were our allies in the 1980s. They were the allies of our allies in the 1990s, even though those allies that they were the allies of turned out probably to be our enemies. Now, they were our enemies over the past two decades, but now they're our allies again in the fight against ISIS. One week ago, these were the worst people on earth. Today, Joe Biden's national security advisor is talking about sending them foreign aid. You say we're going to work with the Taliban. Does that include the prospect of giving them aid? Well, first of all, we do believe that there is an important dimension of humanitarian assistance that should go directly to the people of Afghanistan. They need help with respect to health and food aid and other forms of subsistence, and we do intend to continue that. Secondly, when it comes to our economic and development assistance relationship with the Taliban, that will be about the Taliban's actions. It will be about whether they follow through on their commitments, their commitments to safe passage for Americans and Afghan allies, their commitment to not allow Afghanistan to be uh, a, a base from which terrorists can attack the United States or any other country. Their commitments with respect to upholding their international obligations. It's going to be up to them. And, and we will wait and see by their actions how we end up responding uh, in terms of the economic and development assistance. In other words, once you get past all that mealy mouth nonsense, yes, we are going to fund the Taliban. We probably are already doing it. And we've certainly already armed the Taliban, and Joe Biden will call that a victory. And the media will, will cheer him on, and everyone will forget about the stranded Americans. Everyone, that is, except for the GOP congressman who is currently missing in Afghanistan, according to reports, because he's on a rogue mission to rescue a family of five. But other than that, a few, a few efforts. We'll just move along. Move along. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Brian, who says, if reasons to vote for Democrats was made into a movie, we would be living in that world right now. <laughs> you are righter than you know that you are, actually, because uh, for those who are new to the program, <laughs> reasons to vote for Democrats, a comprehensive guide, was my number one national bestselling blank book. I uh, came out in 2017 and hit number one and Trump endorsed it. And <laughs> It really, it really owned the lives. You know, they really didn't like it and they, they got all upset and everything and threatened me with uh, accusations of plagiarism. It's a blank book. Uh, anyway, I checked the sales numbers yesterday. I was just curious with a Democrat president, Democrat House, Democrat Senate, Democrat establishment blowing everything right now. I was curious how the book was selling. The book is selling like hotcakes. The book is selling like it just came out. And look, it's a simple joke, okay? So I don't think it's because of the quality of the book. I think it's because people are seeing that the Democrat Party is not only wrong-minded in what it's doing, but absolutely incompetent as well. You know, when, when you want to get that blood flowing, when you want to get that good iron-rich blood flowing, start feeling good, start feeling strong and ready to go, I would strongly recommend you check out Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers is making sure 
that you have got good, extremely high quality American meat on the table. Did you know 80% of the grass-fed beef in, in the United States, sold in the United States, is not actually American? Even sometimes it'll say American, it'll use kind of funny wording. It's actually from overseas. Well, that's why I get my meat from GoodRanchers.com. I ate it last night. I ate the burgers from Good Ranchers last night. They are magnificent. They're delicious. Their product is 100% American and 100% delicious. When you buy your steak and chicken from Good Ranchers, not only are you getting amazing meat, you're also supporting American farms. Head on over there right now. Labor Day is right around the corner. Order the best meat today. Go to GoodRanchers.com to buy now. Subscribe today. Save 20% on each box of mouthwatering meat. Subscribing brings the cost down to less than five bucks a meal. Five bucks a meal. It's unbelievable. Right now, get an additional 20 bucks off and free express shipping. If you go to GoodRanchers.com slash Knowles, use code Knowles at checkout. 20 bucks off free express shipping at GoodRanchers.com slash Knowles. Know where your meat comes from with GoodRanchers.com. There's a Republican congressman who is reportedly missing in Afghanistan because he's on a action hero-like mission to individually, just personally, rescue a family of four or five. This is a real story. He has attempted to get into Afghanistan two other times, once through Greece and once, I believe, through Tajikistan. And both times he was turned away and he apparently got into a fight with the embassy because they wouldn't let him through. He's just trying to go in with a bunch of cash to get out of Afghanistan. And, uh, but now the reports are he did make it in. We don't really know how, we don't know if they're true or not. Obviously there's a lot of, lot more questions than answers, but the reports are that he did make it in. We don't know how he's got a bunch of money and he's just going to buy and shoot his way out of Afghanistan and save this family. This is awesome. This is great. (laughs) I get why the embassies turned him away and said, no, you can't just go on a one man rogue mission into Afghanistan. But one, I'm glad that we've got a little do-it-yourselfer here who's actually going to take matters into his own hands. And two, this shows you the incompetence of the bureaucracy, of the blob, the State Department and everyone else over there. A, even a U.S. congressman can't get answers. Even when a United States elected congressman calls and says, hey, get this family out, he, he can't get anywhere. So he's got to take matters into his own hands. It shows you how little faith we have in the, the deep state, the official Washington, you know, the, or rather the, the permanent Washington. The elected people come and go, but the permanent bureaucracy, the permanent government remains. And not even the elected guys can get answers out of them. None of us can get answers. Jen Psaki, giving a press conference, was asked a very simple question. We know that there are Americans who wanted to get out of Afghanistan who are currently trapped in Afghanistan, even though you told us that we would not leave any Americans behind who wanted to get out. Okay, that's where we are right now. We don't know how many are still in Afghanistan. So we just here's a simple question. Did any of those Americans get out today? On Afghanistan, um, is there any sense of if and how many Americans might have left today? Is there even a way to track that? the U.S. government at this point? Well, I will say we remain in touch through a range of means of communication, email, text, WhatsApp. Uh, That's uh, something that we could certainly do from here, but also having a presence in Doha and diplomats in the region will enable that to happen uh, locally or or close by as well. Uh, I don't have an update for you on the numbers, um, but uh, that's something the State Department would have the best assessment of. So no. Do you know of any Americans who got out today? The answer is no, but she didn't want to say no, so she had to give this word salad of, well, you know, we, I, we've been texting. 
Well, good, good. I'm sure that's a great relief to the Americans who are waiting for the Taliban to come a knock and say, no, but I've got a text from Jen Psaki. It's all going to be fine, right? So that has been the White House line and the State Department line and the Pentagon line from the beginning. It's, no, we're in touch with them. We're not going to abandon them. Or, oh, shoot, we abandoned them. Well, we're not. Well, don't worry. It'll be fine. We'll get them out. It's okay. They're not going to be stuck there if they don't want to be. However, you are seeing that line begin to change. The narrative is shifting because the Biden administration did strand certain Americans. So now the line from the Pentagon is not, we won't leave any Americans. And it's not even, okay, we did, but we're going to get them out. The line is, don't worry, it's not a big deal. We strand Americans behind enemy lines all the time. So what does that look like? How does diplomacy get those people out of the Taliban-controlled Afghanistan? It's not completely unlike the way we do it elsewhere around the world. I mean, we have uh, Americans that get stranded in, in, uh, in countries all the time. All the time. It's just not a big deal. Okay, come on. Why are you making such a big deal that now you've got a civil war in Afghanistan between the Taliban and ISIS, which is one of those, one of those wars where you're just sort of hoping they both lose? You know, not, neither of these are good winners, potentially. But yeah, we've got Americans stranded there, but it's no big deal. It happens all the time. It's just like, you know, when a guy misses his flight out of Germany. It's just like that, or out of Italy, you know. It's, it happens all the time. I, I don't think this happens all the time. I think, actually, this is kind of a special case. And, and you've heard this from people who wanted to stay in Afghanistan forever. They said, look, whatever, we've been in Germany for years. Right. Germany and Afghanistan are different. And I think we all know that. And we all know that there are different risk profiles, and we all know that they are, are just different peoples and different, they have different sort of statecraft and Germany is an actual nation and Afghanistan is not and never has been. And it's a much more dangerous situation in Afghanistan. And the way we know that it is a big deal is because you gave us many assurances that this would not happen. And I, if this were just an ordinary thing that happens all the time, I don't, I don't think you would have made a point to give all those assurances. So Saki blew it. Kirby over at the Pentagon blew it. The State Department is blowing it. So Joe Biden came out. He gave another speech to try his hand at this. The speech was supposed to happen, I forget what time, yesterday afternoon. It was delayed by a lot. Half an hour, 45 minutes, may have been up to an hour delayed. Why? Why? First of all, why is Joe Biden giving important national addresses in the afternoon? In my lifetime, every important national address, certainly to declare the end of a war, oh my gosh, would have been in prime time. It would have been in the evening when more people are home from work, when more people are paying attention. Joe Biden doesn't give evening addresses almost ever. Why is that? Why, why won't he give an address past 6 p.m. Or, or 4 p.m. for that matter? Why was it delayed? What was going on? What could he or could he not do? So Joe Biden... I don't know. I don't know how he got his energy, but he got a little jolt of energy, spent the speech yelling at everyone. And he came out forcefully with the thesis. We didn't know if it was going to be, don't blame me. It's not my fault. I didn't want to do this. We didn't know if this was going to be, this is, this is great, but I don't know. It's not my, it's not my fault. Or we didn't know if this was going to be, this is my decision. This is my decision. I'm owning it. I made the choice. I'm the decider. So at the beginning of the speech, Joe Biden chose the third option. This is my decision. I'm pulling out of Afghanistan and I'm sticking to it. In April, I made the decision to end this war. Okay. In April, I made the decision to end this war. 
I, I think politically, this was probably a smart move. He's getting killed for Afghanistan right now. His numbers are tanking in the polls. But sometimes a wrong decision is, is better than indecision. And I'm not saying the decision to pull out was wrong. I think what Americans want to see from their commander in chief, though, no matter how well or how terribly things go, is accountability. They want to say the buck stops here. This, this was my decision. I'm sticking to it, which Biden did until he blamed everything on Trump. Now, look, I'm not saying I've got the greatest memory in the world, but it seems to me that things have changed here. Okay. Now, if you want to preserve your great memories, I would strongly recommend you check out Paint Your Life. I love having beautiful art on my walls. I think it's very important. One, for my little baby to see beautiful things as he grows up, but it's important for me too. It really changes the way you interact with your home. You're not going to find better art anywhere than Paint Your Life. PaintYourLife.com. I love these guys. The way it works, you get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any of your photos at an unbelievably affordable price. You can even combine photos of people. You say, I want this guy from this photo, this one. You work with the team of world-class artists until every detail is perfect. You're proofing it the whole time. And it's a real painting. In my, I, I like the oil paintings, but you can get other kinds of paintings too. It's real. It's not some trick. It's not just some computer thing. It's a real beautiful painting. I have one of these hanging in my living room. I'm about to get another one. It's just magnificent. Delivery is fast. You can receive your portrait. I'm not joking. In as little as two weeks. I got a beautiful portrait of my mother. I've gotten one for my stepbrother's wedding. At paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. Right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's 20% off and free shipping to get the special offer. Text Michael to 64,000. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L to 64,000. Text Michael to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Text Michael to 64,000. Joe Biden opens his national address on the end of the war in Afghanistan, and he says, I made the decision to end this war. Now, just as a fact check here, he didn't. He he is reiterating a decision that was made 18 months ago by Donald Trump. Donald Trump signed the agreement <laughs> to end the war in Afghanistan. And Joe Biden's very salty about that because he wants credit for ending the war because he knows that it's a popular thing to end the war in Afghanistan. So he says, I made the decision, even though that's not true. But then just five minutes later in the speech, he blames Trump for everything that went wrong. My predecessor, the former president, signed an agreement with the Taliban to remove U.S. troops by May the 1st, just months after I was inaugurated. By the time I came to office, the Taliban was in its strongest military position since 2001, controlling or contesting nearly half of the country. The previous administration's agreement said that if we stuck to the May 1st deadline that they had signed on to leave by, the Taliban wouldn't attack any American forces. But if we stayed, all bets were off. So we're left with a simple decision. Either follow through on the commitment made by the last administration and leave Afghanistan, or say we weren't leaving and commit another tens of thousands more troops going back to war. So lame. This is so lame, dude. Either take responsibility or don't. I think it's in your political interest to, to say it's all you and the buck stops here, but pick a lane. Pick a lane. You know what else is lame is calling them the Taliban. Taliban. Taliban, Taliban was funded by Pakistan. It's, you speak English. Taliban. Pakistan. So he says, my, my predecessor made a deal with the Taliban. Right. He made the deal. He ended the war. So now you don't get credit for ending the war. 
No, but I made the decision to end the war. Well, you just said that Trump made the decision. No, I I made the good parts. I did the I want credit for the good parts, but I want him to get responsibility for the bad parts. So, okay, what is he actually saying Trump did? Trump made a deal with the Taliban to end the war in Afghanistan, and he said we'd be out by May. So why weren't you out by May? Wouldn't that wouldn't that have if, if that was the deal? Wouldn't that have minimized all of this risk, all of this chaos, all of this rush, all of this question of how much you're overstaying the deadline that you agreed to? Get out by May. So he couldn't get out by May, bungled that. Then he tries to get out by August and it's a complete catastrophe. Then he's even less coherent. And unfortunately, this is the kind of language we always hear with Afghanistan. What it, because it's a divisive issue. Do you do, do you want to stay there forever? And we're just going to, yeah, go in there, America, glass the place. We're going to own it. Or do you want to get out? Do you want to say, who cares? I don't care about that backwater, that godforsaken tribal land. Get out of there. Bring our troops home. Build nation build back here in America. What is it? What, I mean, even the conservatives are divided on this question. And, and Joe Biden can't pick a side because Joe Biden is not a conviction politician. Joe Biden is an empty suit. He has been his whole career. So he licks his finger. He puts his finger up in the air. He figures out which way the wind is blowing. And then depending on that day or that hour or that minute, that's the position he's going to hold. So, so now he's, he's trying to use the rhetoric of get out of Afghanistan. We've been there too long to make a case for staying in Afghanistan. Struck ISIS-K remotely days after they murdered 13 of our service members and dozens of innocent Afghans. And to ISIS-K, we are not done with you yet. As Commander-in-Chief, I firmly believe the best path to guard our safety and our security lies in a tough, unforgiving, targeted, precise strategy that goes after terror where it is today, not where it was two decades ago. That's what's in our national interest. Okay, so he's talking tough. We're not done with you yet. I mean, we are, we're leaving, we're gone, but we're, uh, does anybody believe that? No. Then he says, pay attention to the words here, ISIS-K, we're gonna fight terror where it is today not where it was two decades ago. What is ISIS-K? ISIS-K is the offshoot of the Islamic State, specifically in Khorasan. What is Khorasan? It's Afghanistan and parts of Iran too. It's Afghanistan. We're, hey, Afghan terror group, we're not going to fight terror where it was two decades ago, which was in Afghanistan. We're going to fight terror where it is today in Afghanistan, except we're leaving Afghanistan. Yeah, that'll show them. That'll show him. Just completely incoherent. This man has soup for brains. And it's not because he's senile. He is senile. He's obviously in decline. He obviously can't stay up past six o'clock, which is why he gives the afternoon speeches. And he clearly can't do those very well either because he shows up late to them. They're trying to get his energy up. He, he can't read the teleprompter. The, the speech was more slurred than even they usually are, which is a bad thing. It's a bad thing when the leader of your country is like this. Reminds me of Chernenko, one of these premiers at the end of the Soviet Union who lived for about six weeks, you know, he barely, he could barely do anything. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. And it's not good for the country. Not good for him, Biden, not good for the country. But when I say he's soup for brains, I'm not saying it's because he's in decline. He's always been soup for brains. He's never been all that smart. He used to lie about his academic record because of this, because he would graduate at the bottom of his classes. He's just a glad hander. He's just a backslapper. He's just a simper smiler, you know, Hey, I'll go fix your pothole kind of politician. 
And he is not up to the challenge that we face right now, which is why our foreign policy is confused, which is why he doesn't know. Was the decision to leave Trump's fault or his fault or Trump's accomplishment or his accomplishment? Is it good or is it bad? Is it a great success or is it a terrible failure? Are we going to leave Afghanistan or are we going to stay there? Are we going to fight terror? Are we not going to fight terror? What is it? He doesn't know. He doesn't want to take a position. Now, <laughs> there, of course, there's going to be terrorism in Afghanistan. There's going to be terrorism in Pakistan, Pakistan. There's going to be terrorism in Yemen. There's going to be terrorism in Africa. There's going to be terrorism in a lot of different places. Okay, and We are going to have to be smart about how you fight it, when you fight it, what you do. There is terror at home. Okay, Do you remember last year when BLM and Antifa terrorists burned the country down city to city to city, targeting civilians to achieve political ends, right? The most basic definition of terrorism. Remember when they did that? And they did that with the encouragement and sometimes financial support of elected Democrats, one of whom is now the vice president of the United States. Remember that? So these Antifa guys, these BLM guys, they're not just running in the streets throwing Molotov cocktails into people's store windows. They're also in the classroom. James O'Keefe over at Project Veritas has an undercover interview with a member of Antifa who is a teacher at a school in Sacramento who, who doesn't even hide it. It turns out he actually flies an Antifa flag in the classroom. I have 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. How do you do that? How do you scare the out of them? Sacramento organization that is under the banner of Antifa is, is very loosely organized, right? Um, so that, yeah, when when there is like right-wing rallies and stuff, then we like, we'll create an opposition to that. Yeah. Beautiful. Where would he go to connect with some of these organizations? Like, they... no, I, I post calendar oh, every okay, week. Awesome. And then, so like, they, it's, and I do it for extra credit. So they get points for doing it. Like, and, so that encourages them to do it. <laughs> and I've, I've had like students show up for like protests, community events, you know, tabling, food distribution, all sorts of, sorts of things. They, when they go, they take pictures, they write up a reflection, that's their extra credit. Like I, I have an Antifa flag on my, on my wall. Um, and a student complained about that, and he said it made him feel uncomfortable. Well, this is meant to make fascists feel uncomfortable, so if you feel uncomfortable, I, I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> like, maybe you shouldn't be aligning with the, the values that it, this is antithetical to. Yeah, maybe, maybe you shouldn't support America, for instance, right? You shouldn't salute the American flag. You shouldn't support the American president when it was Donald Trump. Uh, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. And if you do that, well, I guess you're just not going to align with our class, right? Yesterday, I mentioned the teacher who has her students say the Pledge of Allegiance to the pride flag, the pride progress flag. That's the new one with even more colors. And it's like sex and race and whatever. We'll get to her in a second. There is an update on her. She is like Uncle Sam compared to this guy. She's like George Patton, for goodness sakes, compared to this guy. I said with her that she should be fired, but she shouldn't be thrown in jail. She shouldn't be ostracized. This guy, I don't know. I think we should get a little tougher with this guy. I don't think I, like William F. Buckley Jr., founder of the post-war conservative movement, I don't think this guy has any right to stay out of prison. I don't. I th- certainly, he should be fired. He should not be teaching. But I, I, if you're a member of Antifa, I don't think you really have a right to stay out of prison. I don't think you, you really have many rights at all. If you're a member of a terrorist organization that openly seeks to overturn our system of government and that has actively engaged in acts of terror and regularly does that, I don't think you have very many rights at all. Today you do. I mean, today you're, you're much more protected than the average Trump supporter in the public square, in the sort of activism you can engage in. But I don't think that should be the case. And I think conservatives need to get a little bit tougher in the way that we write the law and enforce the law in the way we engage in politics. 
You know, I'm extremely excited to tell you that our backstage in October is going to be staged a little bit differently. You know, that last backstage, man, that one got pretty heated. We were told it was me and Drew and Matt and Ben and Jeremy were all just kind of fighting about Afghanistan. It was really intense. I really enjoyed it. And I, I felt everyone made good arguments. Some people made better arguments than others, I would say. But, but it was really good. I really enjoyed it. So we want to up the ante a little bit more. We want to turn the intensity up a little bit more. Instead of just tuning in from your home, you'll be able to see us live and on stage right at the Ryman Auditorium here in Nashville. Join me, Jeremy, Ben, Matt, Drew, Candace Owens for a backstage like never before. We have a very special offer for our members. If you're a Daily Wire member, you have a special 12-hour window to buy your tickets ahead of general admission starting tomorrow, Thursday, September 2nd at 10 a.m. Central. It's only 12 hours, but well, that's, a, that's a decent amount of time. So go in there, check your email. You get a special code that you can use to pre-order your tickets. If you are not a member, then you're just going to have to wait until tickets go on sale this Friday, September 3rd. Unless, what happens if you become a member now, though? I assume. I don't know. I actually don't know the answer to that. So maybe, maybe you do that just to be safe. Mark your calendar. Make sure you don't miss out. We'll be right back with a lot more. I mentioned yesterday a teacher who posted a TikTok video and the, the video was joking about how she does not have an American flag in her classroom and so her students are supposed to stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance. But she says, you don't need to stand. You don't need to utter the pledge, even if you do stand. And then some of the students said, well, you know, if we want to, we don't have a flag. So we're not, <laughs> not what are we pledging allegiance to? And she said, oh, we have a flag. And she pointed to the rainbow, the, the pride progress flag, which isn't even just a gay thing. It's like a gay race. It's just like all of these. It's just a, a flag for leftism for a kind of imperial leftism that's beyond national borders, that's, that is supposed to replace the American flag. So yesterday on the show, I said that that teacher should be fired. I don't think there's, first of all, I don't think there's any guarantee of academic freedom in the third grade classroom or whatever. I don't, I, don't, I, I think our understanding of academic freedom has, has been perverted by the left everywhere. This also, speaking of William F. Buckley Jr., was the point of his book, God and Man at Yale, Superstitions of Academic Freedom, that uh, launched the post-war conservative movement. And by the way, the, just speaking of that book, there is a new edition, the 70th anniversary edition of that book coming out. And I'm very honored to report that I, I got to write the introduction to this new new edition of the book. It's the book that started it all, the post-war conservative movement. And uh, so I'm, I'm pleased to be able to offer an introduction. And uh, unfortunately, we've forgotten a lot of what Buckley said in that book. This teacher does not have any right to do this. Okay. So the good news is she's being investigated. There's an official investigation from the Newport Mesa Unified School District in Orange County. Teacher's name is Kristen Pitson, and uh, she might lose her job, as she should. She should. I don't, I don't think that this woman should be thrown in prison. I don't think she should be completely ostracized from society. I think she should be allowed to go get another job somewhere else, but just not a teaching job because she's a bad teacher. Her teaching is contrary to the best interests of a student if the student wants to be educated. And the teaching is distinctly anti-American. And one of the purposes of education, especially public education, is to make citizens. That's what, that's what it's there for, is to make good citizens. And what she is doing is making bad citizens. She's discouraging students from being good citizens. And she's filling their heads with a lot of claptrap that is wrong and bad for them. So she should not ever be permitted to teach a student again. 
She should be allowed to go get a job in retail. She should be allowed to go get a job at a marketing company. She should be allowed to go get a job wherever she wants, really, but just not as a teacher. She failed at that. And there need to be consequences for that sort of thing. And we, the people, have the right to, to have a say in how the next generation of Americans is educated. Speaking of kooky teachers, the LA Teachers Union has more demands. You're, you know, during COVID, the LA Teacher Union, they, they misinterpreted the COVID lockdowns as a semi-permanent vacation for teachers who are already overpaid and overprotected in one of the worst school districts in the United States. So the LA Teacher Union is now back. They're not just demanding whatever, changed hours and plexiglass and open windows and certain school sizes and classroom changes. They're not just demanding that. They're demanding a mandatory vaccine for all students. This is not about the students because young people have a very, 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 very low risk of facing serious complications of the coronavirus. This is about the teachers protecting themselves, even though the teachers face, generally speaking, a very, 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 very low risk of serious complications from the coronavirus. They are going to force students to take an experimental drug that the students really don't need to protect them, themselves. Seems kind of backwards, doesn't it? Some parents are calling this stuff out. There's a mother. There's a mother who I don't, I don't know what school district this is. I don't know where it is, but this mother shows up in a beautiful dress, beautiful floral dress, very articulate woman, gives a very good presentation, very persuasive, I think. She herself is a nurse, an RN. She's got two kids and she wants the school board to stop being so demonic. My name is Melissa. I have two daughters in the school system. These are demonic entities and we need to stick together. Remember, we have authority in Christ Jesus. These are demonic entities in all the school boards of all the United States of America. And all of us Christians will be sticking together to take them all out. All the police officers that kick us out for our First Amendment right will also be going down with them. Do you understand? I'm a nurse, infectious disease, 13 years. Masks don't work. These doctors that sit up here that were sneering at us and looking at us like we're scumbags, they need to go back to medical school. Ma'am, you're out of order. Please. This is your last warning. Turn my, turn my mic off. Communications. They need to remember, natural immunity is best. You are all demonic entities. You are going to be taken down. Be still my beating heart. Uh, The producers are telling me this is at Lee County, Lee County, Florida school board. And this woman, oh, Michael, she's crazy. She's talking crazy. She's um, sure. I know it like it sounds kind of crazy and everything, but um, show me the lie. Show me the lie. She says that natural immunity is a good thing and the scientific establishment is completely ignoring it. That's obviously true. She's pointing out that the kids don't need to take these insane precautions because the kids aren't particularly at risk, right? That's obviously true. And her most outlandish claim is that demons exist and exert an influence on the world, which is just obviously true. (laughs) Okay. I don't, I'm not saying that these particular school board members are possessed or obsessed by demons, but like, I don't know, man, maybe. 
<laughs> if, if that's the most outlandish religious claim that this woman is making, then it seems way less outlandish than the religious claims that the left is making. Here are some out religious claims that the left makes regularly. Boys can become girls. Your body has nothing to do with who you really are, and therefore we should mutilate the genitals of little children to better accord with their fantasies. Um, babies are not babies. Babies are, are just clumps of cells, and we should kill them. That's it. Sounds kind of demonic, actually. Hold on, all those things sound pretty, pretty, like those things are like in the Bible, actually. So that's not, okay, all right. Uh, what, what are some other religious claims? Uh, if you wear a piece of filthy cloth, you'll be r- very well protected against a virus. Uh, don't, don't totally buy that. What are, what are some other religious claims? That we need to fear a point what? Point zero, zero three percent chance of dying or somewhere thereabouts for young people from the coronavirus. We have to have a neurotic fear of death everywhere in society for a virus that doesn't pose in the grand scheme of things a, a particularly grave risk to our lives. These are all, these are all religious claims, okay? But because this woman gets up there and says, I'm a Christian and you people seem to have demonic influence on you. She's, she's the crazy one, right? I'm not sure she is the crazy one. Something, I actually kind of think that the crazier people are the ones who are in power, are the Fauci's and the alleged experts and the high priests of progressivism who are abusing children, destroying our society, upending everybody's lives without very good reason. When you look, because I know this woman's going to be presented as a kook, pay attention. Yeah, she's using colorful language. Yeah, she's using, you know, sort of vulgar terms. What is she actually saying, though? Is what she's saying so much crazier than what the left is saying? Is it crazier at all? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. You know, you know what's crazier? The judge who just stripped a mother of her parental rights because she refused to get the experimental drug to protect against the cough that doesn't pose much of a threat to her kid. You got, you got two people. The mother who's saying, stop screwing with our kids' lives to the school board, you demons. And the judge who just took a, a child, an 11-year-old child, away from his mother because she wouldn't get the jab. That happened. Rebecca Furlett just appeared in court on Zoom. She's the mother. It was a child support hearing with her ex-husband. They've got an 11-year-old son. And Cook County Judge James Shapiro suddenly asked during the hearing, out of the blue, this had not, the hearing had nothing to do with COVID. He said, have you gotten the experimental drug? And the mother said, uh, no, because she had had bad reactions to other vaccines. So she had, she had a pretty good reason. And we know that there have been deaths from this vaccine. We know, women have died from blood clots because of this vaccine, one of the COVID vaccines. And we know that other people have suffered myocarditis, periocarditis, nerve damage. And then the judge stripped this woman of her parenting time until she gets the experimental drug. Two weeks, this kid was pre- prevented from seeing his mother. This 11-year-old son prevented from his mother for two weeks. Finally, because there was a public outcry, this degenerate idiot judge reversed his decision. Only because of media backlash. What do you think is worse for the kid? To be exposed to germs that really don't pose much of a threat to him. Actually, forget that for a second. People who are vaccinated are spreading the virus. 
So I don't even know that it would reduce the amount of germs that he would be exposed to. So what's better for the kid? Have the mother do the special religious ritual where you get the jab, even though it's not going to do very much for her son, if anything at all. Or take, take the kid away from the mother. What, what do you think, or, or rather, I'm sorry, let the kid be with his mother. What do you think? Take the kid away from his mother until she gets the jab or let the kid stay with his mother where he really doesn't face any increased risk from the virus that doesn't pose much of a threat to him at all. Lunacy. I'm glad this judge reversed his decision, but this guy should be run out of town on the rail. No question about it. I'm going to talk to Ben. Maybe it's Ben's cousin. Say, Ben, what's going on with this Judge Shapiro? Get him out of there. Insane. The people who are pushing this hysteria, this neurosis, don't believe it. They don't believe it. They don't think you need to wear a mask. They don't think you need to social distance. They don't think you need to stay home. They're lying to you. And if you... And I know neurotic people. I have a lot of neurotic people in my friend group and in my family who have, who have bought into this madness. I know why it's attractive. I know why if the whole culture is telling you to do something, you feel impelled to do it. But I'm just telling you, these people don't believe it. Elizabeth Warren, Liawatha, just showed up to a wedding in New Mexico. The wedding was for the Secretary of, of the Interior, Deb Holland and her boyfriend, Skip Sayre. They just, they just got married. Okay, very nice. Good. Congratulations. Good for them. They show up to this wedding, and very few people are wearing masks. Elizabeth Warren, not wearing a mask, dancing with people, having a nice time. New Mexico has a mask mandate. New Mexico has a Democrat governor, Michelle Lujan Grisham. She has a mask mandate, and Elizabeth Warren, the U.S. senator, violated that mask mandate because none of these people think it matters. None of these people actually think the masks are important at all. The, Elizabeth Warren probably agrees with me on masks. In fact, I know she does because of the way she behaves. Regardless of what she says, she agrees with me that the masks just don't really matter at all. But she's going to convince you that they really do matter, and and neurotic people and power-hungry psychopaths are going to act on that. And judges are going to take kids away from their mothers. And teachers are going to keep kids out of school. And we're the crazy ones. And that nurse who says this is crazy. She's the crazy one, right? I don't think so. The, the rot that we are seeing here in our government is coming not just from the vaccine, not just from Afghanistan, not just from what, pick whatever problem is going on in the country. It's coming from the belief of our ruling class that they don't owe you anything. They don't owe you answers. They don't owe you good government. They don't owe you the fulfillment of their promises. They don't owe you, you're, you're nothing but a nuisance to them. They have the right to rule. You can't say boo about it. And they're not even going to dignify your befuddlement at this with a response. This, this is clearest among Joe Biden, who talks about Afghanistan. And then the minute anyone asks a question, he just turns around and walks away. And occasionally he'll say, look, I'll answer a question about the hurricane. And the reporter says, what about the Americans you're straining in Afghanistan? He says, I'm not talking about Afghanistan. See ya. Bye. Sorry. Ha ha. What are you going to do about it? So this is not just Joe Biden spreading out throughout the administration. Antony Blinken complete incompetent secretary of state. Antony Blinken 
gives an update yesterday about why everything's gone to absolute pot in Afghanistan. And then he gets to the end of his speech. People have a lot of questions, obviously, for him. There are events happening in real time that we need answers to. He just turns his back and walks on out. We'll honor all those brave men and women from the United States and many other countries who risked or sacrificed their lives as part of this long mission right up to today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. That's the most interesting thing he said in his entire, I'm not even going to play most of his update and his address. It's, it's one, doesn't tell you very much. And two, it's meaningless because these people have either lied or just through their own incompetence gotten things wrong. So it, there's, no, there's no value in listening to what they have to say because we can't rely on it. We can't trust it. But the most interesting thing he said there is thanks for listening. And he turns on his heels and walks out. Not thank you for coming. Not I'm glad you're here. Let's take some questions. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your, I said what I have to say. Now, see you later. Bye-bye. And he's not taking questions because he doesn't have to. They don't need to answer you. They're going to paper over everything. Exhibit A, my friends, from the Washington Post, a column by Jennifer Rubin. Until very recently, Je- Jennifer Rubin is a, a liberal columnist, and she appears on liberal networks, and she writes for a liberal paper, and she has liberal opinions. But until very recently, she pretended to be a conservative columnist. I'm not joking. She had it in her Twitter bio. She was introduced as conservative columnist, Jennifer Rubin. Conservative commentator, Jennifer Rubin. And, but she's not She's not conservative at all, and she almost exclusively supports Democrats, and she never has anything nice to say (laughs) about conservatives or Republicans, and all of her views are liberal views. But the blob, at least until very recently, would pretend that she was a conservative. They do this a lot. They have what what I call court jester conservatives. You might call them controlled opposition. You know, they're they're just jokes, court eunuchs, the sort of people who their whole job is to pretend to represent an alternative viewpoint, but actually really all they do is prop up the liberal establishment. And so Jennifer Rubin was that until it just became so ridiculous that they had to acknowledge she's no longer conservative. So headline here, the state department deserves more credit for its effort to evacuate Americans from Afghanistan. Deserves more credit. And the state department was tweeting this out. The administration was tweeting this out. State had to imagine a universe of as many as 15,000 Americans uh, that were, you know, stuck in Afghanistan. The State Department's been criticized for not beginning mass evacuations of Afghans months ago, as far back as April. Uh, it began sending one notice after another. They were doing, oh, they were so good, you know, texting. And yeah, you know, sure, it looks bad on TV, but actually they're doing, they're doing a great job and they deserve more credit. Everyone's, everyone's tweeting this out. This is going to be the official story. It's already happening. What what a success this was. Any problems with it were Trump's fault, but what a success this was. And you're going to be told not to believe your lying eyes. You're going to be told it's great. It's all going well. And you're going to be told the only downside is we didn't take more Afghans. We should have taken more. We should have opened our doors and our borders more. But even that has been run perfectly. Sure, we, on the last planes out of Afghanistan, we didn't get a single American on there. And sure, we just packed full of Afghans. But listen, they were totally vetted, except for the ones that weren't vetted. Here's a story. Convicted rapist, refugee from Afghanistan, was just caught over here. So Americans were having trouble getting flights out of, out of Kabul. So Ghadar Haidari made it onto an Ethiopian Airlines charter flight for evacuees. 
This guy's 47 years old. He made it to Washington, D.C. Finally, at Washington Dulles Airport, they found out that this refugee had already been in America. He, he was moved to America in the 20th century. He was granted a green card in the year 2000, and he apparently pleaded guilty to rape in 2010 in Idaho, and he was deported. He's a rapist, convicted rapist, and he was deported to Afghanistan, and he made it back into America. But don't worry, we're vetting everyone. It's so important to get all these Afghans out. Forget the Americans were there. We have to get all these Afghans out, including the rapists. Glad they caught him. How many did they not catch? How many made it through in the tens of thousands, upwards of 100,000 Afghans that got out? This is not just happening at one guy in Washington. Seven Afghan refugees, quote unquote, were just detained in Germany. You know, I guess they are refugees. It just turns out they're, they're also criminals and they shouldn't be allowed into these countries. They were detained in Germany. Uh, one of them in cust- is in custody right now. Two are, are still uh, with the police at the airport. Three had forged documents. Four had already been deported from Germany to Afghanistan as criminals. And according to reports, these were serious crimes. Serious crimes. We got to take all of them in. How many are not being caught? How many are slipping through? A lot of these people don't have any documents whatsoever. Great job. They're not getting enough. The State Department, which handles this stuff, not getting enough credit. They're not getting enough credit. And it'll just move right along. And you, we'll raise a little bit of a fuss about it here. You'll hear about it on maybe a few conservative channels, although frankly, most of the conservative outlets are, their, their only problem is that we didn't take more Afghans. You know, their only problem is we didn't stay longer in Afghanistan, right? But you'll hear about it here. You'll hear about what happened. And then they'll just move on. And then we'll start funding the Taliban. We're going to be allies of the Taliban. We're probably going to conduct joint missions against ISIS. We'll probably be back in Afghanistan pretty soon because the blob don't care what you want to do. That's government of we the people is uh, transformed. It's transformed, and you don't get to ask any questions about it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Christy Noem wrote an op-ed explaining what she thinks conservatism means, and I'll explain why her ideas are completely wrong. Also, leftists are quite upset that the Texas abortion bill effectively banning most abortions in the state went into effect this morning. Plus, Joe Biden gives another address to the nation to defend his catastrophic failures in Afghanistan. And finally, the L.A. Unified School District sent out its COVID guidelines for the school year, and they're as deranged as you might expect. We'll talk about that and so much more today on The Matt Walsh Show.